Omnimo Narayanaya, welcome back. Today we are continuing our talk on Lord Rama's advice for political leaders or royalty or anyone in power. Advice, also you could call it uh, Vedic rules or recommendations for political leaders. We're on verse 37 today, and uh, I think we're going to finish it. I think it's a very interesting bit. It's in Canto 2. There is a link down below so you can follow along. After I finish my T-Luck and we begin reading, I discovered this, as I said in the last video, uh, a couple weekends ago, because I'm actually recording Valmiki's Ramayana, the complete seven-part uh book and I came across this bit in chapter 11 sorry chapter 100 <laughs> too many ones and I was just like oh wow this is this is this is amazing we have to I have to look at this now and not wait the year till the Ramayana comes out anyways let me just finish this up I hope all of you are doing well and your life is going well. I'd like to do a little plug here for something that I have done that I want to share with you. Many people may know. Hang on one second. That's always the part I mess up on. And you can often not even see it on camera because it's just so light. I've done this before. I had people tell me like, oh, you're not wearing any tilak. And I'm like, yes, I am. But you just can't see it between the reflection of the light and whatever. Anyways, let me wipe my hand. I want to share something I have done before we get into the video. Sort of a little plug, and I don't do this that often, but I have written a book. And if you like mystery stories and you like music, which are two things that I really love, I've written a mystery story. It's called Soundtrack for a Murder in Maine. And if you're interested in stuff in Maine, a mystery short story with Carrie Street, the rock star private investigator. This little book took me three years to write. I actually wrote the original thing over three days, and then I just edited it and edited it and edited it to get it perfect, because it's the beginning of a series of mysteries featuring a guy who solves mysteries related to music in some way shape or form and I have a background in music I am a musician and I love music and I wanted to paint a picture of real musicians not something glamorous like I was reading and I wanted a book that you don't have to be a musician to understand. There's not going to be pages and pages of dialogue between two characters going, Well, do you think the Les Paul is better than the Telecaster? No, that's irrelevant to the story, and it just, people don't like them. Short, simple, rolling along like a train, interesting, fun. This is it. Check it out. It's on my website. I am very, very proud of this. And it's the beginning of a bunch of books based on music because it's just been a real inspiring year for me. It's on my website. Link is down below where you can see all my books. But if you like mysteries and you like music, please check this out. It's a small purchase. It's not that expensive, but it's a little way of supporting this channel. It gives me a few pennies. I don't make a living off this, but it pays for the equipment, you know, which is filming this. So it is, it's a way of supporting me. I just wanted to share this. But now let's get into why you're here, which is not to talk music or mysteries. 
maybe that might be something to talk about in a future episode, but to talk about Lord Rama and what he says for leaders. Let me just get to the website here, uh, which we're going to be looking at together. So if you want to pull it up, we're starting with verse 38. There is some, as I discovered in the last episode, awkward translations here. Uh, when I record my videos where I'm reading this, I get to stop and edit and figure stuff out and go, eh, what should this actually say? Or this word is misplaced. But here in the live thing, when I'm reading through this, I apologize now if I read something and it doesn't make sense and I stop and start. Some of these translations are a little on the rough side for whatever reason. Anyways, let's dive in. We're going to start with verse 38. Now, um, there's two things that I want you to keep in mind, just like we did last week. First one, is this advice that Rama is giving us good advice? And I don't know the dating of the Ramayana, but it's over 2,000 years ago, if it actually happened. And we've had a lot of time to experiment and work on things. And my hand is still dirty from the tilak. I uh, don't want to get it all over everything. Uh, we've had a lot of time to experiment and discover and research and write and share. And so some things he might say may not actually work today. We might have found that these ideas don't pan out. For example, uh, Marxism, according to several people, is a great idea. Others of us are like, well, after 150 years, we've found that it doesn't work. And this excuse of, oh no, we just haven't tried it yet. No, we've gotten pretty close and it doesn't work. Maybe it might work in a community of 100 people, but it hasn't worked for countries. Maybe Rama's ideas work for a small world where kind of everyone is really connected. And when you read the Ramayana, that's what it feels like. It's a small world and everyone's connected. But it may not work today. So that's something to keep in mind. The other thing to keep in mind is, is this advice being followed today? And if not, should it be? Should leaders in your country follow the advice that he gives? Maybe yes, maybe no. It's different for every country. I don't know. Modi is different than Biden, who's different than, uh, I don't know, uh, Richard Nixon, who's different than Margaret Thatcher. You can go on and on. So that particular thought only you can answer. Uh, so anyways, with that, let's dive in and... Um, yeah, starting from verse 37. O oh, slayer of foes, and this is Rama speaking, I hope you do not forever think lightly of your foes, who are weak, and having been expelled, return again. So, basically, don't misjudge your enemies. <laughs> yes, you got rid of them yesterday, but they might be back tomorrow. Don't forget about them. Don't misjudge them. I don't know if leaders do this, but I know this is a theme of many movies. <laughs> oh, the bad guy's gone, and then he reappears. Verse 38. I hope you are not honoring the materialistic Brahmins, my dear brother. These men are skilled in perverting the mind, ignorant as they are, and thinking themselves to be learned. Condemnation of materialism. And... I would probably say atheism is wrapped up in this too. Atheism as in, you know, not believing in God, not believing in the Vedic scriptures. So 
are we honoring our advisors who are completely materialistic? And being materialistic, they are ignorant, and they pervert the mind, but they think themselves to be smart. Answer is yes. We, we have a lot of people like that. And you can be materialistic and still be smart, but there's a lot of people who are materialistic and they, they're, they're ignorant. Because there's a fine line of, of being... I don't know. Actually, no, now that I say that, you probably can't be materialistic and spiritual. You can have material things, though. Because, you know, creature comforts and be spiritual. I do not believe that in order to be spiritual, you have to go out into the desert and starve yourself to death with no belongings whatsoever. I think you can be spiritual and still have things around you. The scriptural texts show people all the time who are spiritual, and they still have things. But they have what they need. There, that's the words I'm looking for. They have what they need. They don't have 15 cars in the garage, which they never drive. Does your advisor have 15 cars in the garage, which that person never drives? Or is that person bragging about how we're locking down the country for uh, uh, a virus, but they have 50 different flavors of ice cream in their house? So they're all set to go, which they had their maid go out and buy, but they're not leaving the house, but their maid's going out to buy all this ice cream. You know who I'm talking about. <clears throat> Verse 39. Reaching to their logical acumen, these men of perverted intellect preach meaninglessly in the presence of eminent books on righteousness. These folks, they, they say things, the truth is right in front of them. We see that all the time. Verse 40, I hope you preserve the city of Ajota, furnished with everything and flourishing, that was formerly inhabited by our heroic ancestors, my dear brother, that is worthy of its name, with its fortified gates, its elephant horses and chariots that fill it, with its Brahmins, warriors, and merchants in the thousands, ever engaged in their respective duties, with its noble citizens self-controlled and full of energy, with its palaces in various shapes, and the learned who abound there. I hope that the kingdom, adorned with peaceful Places rich in temples and sheds, where water stored for distribution to passers-by in tanks, excuse me, with water stored for distribution to passers-bys in tanks, with happy men and women, graced by social festivities, with land well tilled, abiding in cattle which are totally free from cruelties, the agricultural land not exclusively fed by rains, which is beautiful, and is purged of beasts of prey, which is completely rid of fears, studded with minds, destitute of sinful men and well protected by our forefathers, is a place prosperous and an abode of happiness. Verse 47. Are you cherishing all those who live by agriculture and cattle rearing, my dear brother? The people living on agriculture and cattle rearing indeed prosper well. And to add, their prosperity is our prosperity. Whatever you are, you eat meat, you're vegetarian, you're vegan, you need the people who raise the animals and the plants, the agriculture and the cattle rearing. We need them. And you know what's happening in society? We don't really care about them. People don't want to go into that world. In America, anyways, it's a very hard profession, and the regulations make it often unprofitable. Um... 
and there's just so many variables that make it a difficult life. And then in Europe, there seems to be a trend to get rid of our farms, because I guess we're going to starve to death. So we're not cherishing this profession. And we often look down on these people. I find in my life, I, I feel like, oh, you're a farmer? Well, <laughs> too bad you're not a, like an intellectual and a college professor. When actually there's some really intelligent farmers who at the end of the day go reading books versus pontificating all day to just hear their own voice. Yeah, I have a little issue with some college professors. <laughs> Verse 48. I hope their maintenance, the, who we're just talking about, is being looked after by you in providing what they need and eschewing what they fear. All the citizens are indeed to be protected by a king through his righteousness. So, this is an interesting one, because if you're talking about a king, yes, a king should protect his citizens, and he should protect his farmers. But if we remove that line, then it becomes a little questionable, because then it sounds like socialism. Is socialism providing what these farmers need, and taking away the fear? And that's a weird thing. Uh, I I, uh, I don't think a government is can necessarily should be involved and taking away all the fears and providing all the needs. That's straight-up socialism and, and verging into communism. Yeah, it hasn't really worked so well. If you read the uh, history of the Soviet Union under Lenin and in the early years of Stalin, you will see exactly what I'm thinking in my head about a government providing, but not actually, it doesn't work out so well. So this is, this is a tricky one that doesn't necessarily work if you're talking about a non-king. But this is definitely a king's responsibility. Traditionally. Traditionally. Yeah, I'm just got to leave it there. Verse 49. I hope you are pacifying the women well. Are they protected by you? I hope you are not believing the words of these women and not telling them the secrets. Yeah, that one's... This, this one goes in line with the idea of we should protect our women. Swami Prabhupada talks about this all the time. Women need protection. And traditionally in India, the Gurukul schools would be boys only because women didn't have to go to school. But in the modern world, this is saying, well, women need to be pacified and they need to be protected. We should not believe them and we shouldn't tell them things. That bothers me a lot. It bothers me quite a lot. This is a view, part of this is the view that was promoted by uh, Freemasonry. Women shouldn't know the secrets. Shh. And, uh, you know, we should keep them aside. I used to be a Freemason, and this is one of the reasons I left. The other was, I found it to be a joke. But I had a real issue belonging to an organization that literally thought women weren't quite as smart and shouldn't be told the secrets. But if I told you the secrets, you'd be like, really? That's common sense. I'm like, yeah, but women can't know them. I can't. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Women are just as intelligent as men, sometimes more intelligent than men. And I've said this before. There are some really dumbass men out there. But yet, we're to put them higher than women simply based on a physical thing, even though that woman might be way smarter. Yeah, no, this one, this one doesn't work. And to pacify them? My girlfriend doesn't need pacifying. She's very independent. She takes care of herself. I don't need to subdue her. I don't agree with this one. And she doesn't need protection. Well, 
if someone's pointing a gun, it doesn't matter if I'm protecting her or anyone else. It's going to be tough. So, anyways, that that's an issue. But whenever we get into these um, ideas of women in the modern age, these are always always issues. I've wanted to do a talk on this, but I've not really had a chance to really organize my thoughts and find a way to talk about it. Maybe something to discuss. There are some heated debates when it comes to women, and and the Hindu view and and. Yeah. There's a lot of great Hindu women out there, but I have to ask, uh, and their husbands are Hindu, okay? But I have to ask, are their husbands protecting them? Or are those women going out and holding a job? Because technically, holding that job at an office means that they're away from their husbands and they're not really protected. That doesn't actually, if you're following the Vedic way, a woman's not going to go off to work. I, I just, yeah, just episode in itself. Let's move on. Verse 50. <laughs> uh, easily distracted. Are you supervising the woods inhabited by elephants? I hope female elephants are there to you in good number. I hope you are not simply satisfied with the existing population of female elephants, horses, and male elephants. Nothing to say about that. <laughs> oh, Prince, do you regally adorned, appear before the public on rising each morning on the great highway. I don't think we require our kings and our leaders to appear before us every day. I certainly do not need Joe Biden to come out on the White House lawn and wave to us. Uh, though traditionally, we would have things like uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt who would do like his fireside chats and you would get press conferences. I guess the press conference is the modern equivalent of this. And in that case, yes, we need our leaders to at least speak to us through some medium. They can't just sit away and be silent. Verse 52, I hope that all your servants in your presence do not adopt a disrespectful attitude or, on the other hand, all of them do not hasten away on seeing you. Of course, the middle course only in the principle to be followed in this matter. So in your in the presence, that's the key. In the presence, I hope all your servants, um, I don't, this is karmanta. I don't know if that means literal servant or if it means like anyone who is under the king. Um, that could have multiple definitions for in English. But in your presence, do these people who are working with you will just say, are they disrespectful to you? They shouldn't be. They should be respectful. On the other hand, are they running away from you deliberately? Ah, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. Verse 53. I hope all your citadels are quite full of money, grain, weapons, water, and mechanical contrivances, as well as artisans and archers. That's funny. That's just funny, because the equivalent today of I can see Joe Biden with all his archers. <laughs> the equivalent translation is, do you have a full army in America? No. Do you have um, mechanical contrivances? I, 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 technology, I guess. Do you have water and weapons and food and money? Do you have the basics that are full and functioning in your government, as well as artisans? Do you have any artisans in your government? Well, in America, we don't fund the arts. No, we don't. That's too bad. I used to live in Budapest, Hungary, and they actually have government programs for funding the arts and then private funding. You don't just, just raise money on your own or through Kickstarter. I think it's a great, great thing. Uh, 
That's an interesting one. Verse 54. I hope your income is abundant and expenditure minimum. <laughs> I hope your treasure does not reach, excuse me, I hope your treasure does not reach undeserving people. I'm not even going there. I am not even going there. That one's just, he's right. Rama is right, but I can't, I can't do that one. You know exactly what I mean. Just look at your own country. Is your, is your leader spending less than, or spending less than they're bringing in and, and they're, the, the money they're sending is only going to the right people? I, yeah. <laughs> he's so right. Verse 55, I hope that your expenditure goes for the cause of divinity, mains, brahmins, unexpected visitors, soldiers, and a host of friends. This one doesn't work in the modern world because where's our education, where's our streets, where's whatever. Um, it, it, this just doesn't apply today. Society just requires so much more that government money goes into than just these things. Verse 56, if one of noble work, despite his honesty and integrity, is falsely accused of some offense, I hope he is not killed impatiently without inquiry by those well-versed in law books. So let's not have any fraudulent trials, overly speedy trials, fake show trials. Depending upon where you live, the answer to this will be very different. Mm. You know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking. I'm not even thinking past history. I'm thinking today, 2023. Answer is obvious. Verse 57. O foremost among men, if a thief is seen and even caught at the time of his act on sufficient ground and interrogated, I hope he is not released from greed of wealth. from greed of wealth. I'm not really sure. So we're going, I, I don't know how to interpret that. Um, I hope he's not, I guess, maybe from bail. You're just going to get some bail from him or something. I don't, I don't quite, I don't quite see, um, I, I don't, I don't understand how to, how to interpret that. I, there's some greed of wealth. I don't see how that works with the law, as in the law as I now see it. Today, you know, we, we take someone, we're more worried about a flight risk, I think. Verse 58. Oh, Bharata, I hope that your well-educated ministers examine a cause dispassionately when a contention occurs between a rich man and a poor man after studying the situation carefully. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, this is a doozy today. The last episode wasn't this. This is just... This is... Yeah. This is... The, I, you, you guys are smart who watch the show. I know you are. I don't need to tell you. you you're thinking what I'm thinking. Verse 59. The tears fallen from those who are victims of false accusations... O oh, Bharata, destroy their sons and herds of those who are indifferent to justice, merely for the sake of pleasure. 
so the tears fallen from the victims of false accusations destroy their sons and herds, cow herds, I don't know, or followers, destroy their sons and the herds, oh, oh, group, herds of those who are indifferent to justice. Sorry. <laughs> Mine went in one direction, even though I'd already just read this. So, um, indifferent to justice, mainly for the sake of pleasure. So basically, we're falsely accusing someone for our own desire, our own pleasure, because we want something, even if it goes against justice. Yes, that's actually... <laughs> Let's talk about Donald Trump, shall we? I believe that maybe Donald Trump did something illegal. Maybe he did not. But so far, on uh, October 7th, 2023, no judge has come out and said, you are guilty of insurrection. You are guilty of this. A judge has come out and said that he twisted some loans, but those loans were paid back, and you don't just twist the value of your property and go, oh, my property's worth this. You actually have someone come in. So I think this is crooked. I think there's questions there. Aside from that, when it comes to insurrection, Donald Trump has not been found guilty by any judge or jury. There's none. But the media has decided he is guilty, and therefore they are trying to remove him from the ballots in many states, including here in Maine, because they said, well, he's guilty of insurrection. Well, maybe that's a false accusation. I believe it is. But whether or not you agree with me doesn't matter, because justice says someone is guilty when a court finds them guilty, not when CNN finds them guilty. But people hate Trump. It is a pleasure to them to bring him down. So for the sake of their pleasure, they are ignoring justice and accusing him of something that might be false. And not that he cries, but figuratively, it'll destroy his sons. It'll destroy others. And that false accusation will just trickle down. Who knows what his sons may do when they get older and they have power would they rise up, become politicians, and just tear away all those who hurt their father? You don't know. But certainly right now with Donald Trump, we are seeing this happen right now. And I hate it because, like I said, maybe you think Trump is guilty, maybe you think he is not. But is our law determined by CNN or is it determined by a judge? It is determined by a judge. Yes, there are crooked judges, but that is how we function. For a state to go, we can't be on the ballot because he's guilty, because CNN decided he was guilty, is not how the law works. If that is how the law works, we are done as a society. There is no law, because all, all someone has to do is say, yeah, you're guilty, and this public opinion is now the law. If there's any country that has public opinion as the law, no, no, actually, I think there is. There is a country that has public opinion as the law. It is called North Korea, and it is the public opinion of one man. And how is that doing for the law? Horribly. So if you honor justice, you have to respect the law, in term, even if you hate Trump, because if it was you, would you want to be declared guilty by CNN and that's it? Who cares? Your life is going to be over. But this is what we're doing now. We're declaring people guilty and we don't wait. And it oh, drives me crazy. Oh, it just drives me, yeah, drives me crazy. Verse 60. I hope that you seek to conciliate by the following means gifts, a loving mind, and polite words to the aged, the children, and the foremost physicians. 
So give gifts a loving mind and polite words to the older folks, the children, and the foremost physicians. You mean Dr. Fauci? Lied? Yeah, questionable one. And right now, Joe Biden is helping trans children not commit suicide, even though we know for a fact, according to the trans children on TikTok, they're doing it just to get friends. They're not. They just come out. They have said, literally, they're doing it to make friends. They're lonely, so they're transitioning. There's a video out there of some girl. She was like, I don't want to do this, but I don't want to be alone. And Biden is going, okay, here's here's gifts. Here's a loving mind. Here's my polite words. So this one's a tricky one. It depends on the time and the place. As for the aged, uh, how did we not care about our age over the last few years? And our older folks were not cared about by politicians over 2020 and 2021. They did not care about them. So this is this is a particular one, but it's not, yeah. Hmm. Verse 61. I hope that you greet your teachers, the elderly, the aesthetics, the deities, the unexpected visitors, the trees standing at the crossroads, and all of the Brahmins of auspicious life and conduct. So say hello to folks. <laughs> well, it's, it's more than that, but... Um, this is this is fun. I hope you greet all these people and the trees standing at the crossroads. Now that could be figurative, uh, or it could actually mean the trees and nature around you. I'm not too sure. Verse 62. I hope that you do not abrogate virtue by your excessive devotion to wealth, or your excessive devotion to wealth. Okay. Uh... So let me let me try this again. Misspelling. I hope you do not abrogate virtue by your excessive devotion to wealth, or your earthly interests by your overemphasis on religion, or both your religious and secular interests by your self-indulgence in pleasure, greed, and gratification of the senses. I hope your pursuit of wealth, religion. Sorry, I hope your. Per- I hope you pursue wealth, religion, and the delights of the sense, dividing them all according to time. O jewel among the victorious, Balata, the one who is conversant with proper time and the bestower of boons. Uh, So I hope you pursue... So this actually reads, I hope your pursue wealth, religion, and delights of the senses... Delights of the sense, dividing them all according to time. Um, uh, this is a translation problem. This is where I stopped the video and started again in all my recordings, and I do with this all the time. So I hope that you are pursuing wealth and religion and delight to the senses, dividing them all according to their respective times. I guess that's right. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that's what this is saying. And move on. Verse 64. Oh, one who is endowed with great wisdom. Oh, Bharata, I hope that Brahmins versed in the knowledge of the scriptures, the inhabitants of the town and the country, pray for your happiness. Do you eschew the following 14 for kings? Atheism, falsehood, Careless anger, procrastination, disregard of the wise, sloth, bondage to the five senses, 
himself alone devoting thought to the affairs of the state without consulting the ministers, taking counsel with those of perverted insight, failure to overtake the projects already decided, failure to keep secrets, failure to utter auspicious words at the beginning of an undertaking, and rising from one seat indiscriminately to receive it all. Let's reread this. <laughs> Sometimes the definition is then put in the sentence, but you know, you, you don't use the definition exactly the same in the sentence. So there's 14 things that kings... This doesn't make sense. Do you... Do you... Do you eschew... Vam Varjasi Kachit Ethan Chatardasha. Oh, there's a word missing. That's why. Thank this is why you had the translation. It goes Raja Dosan Failings of Kings. So this just says, Do you issue the following fourteen four of kings? Do you now I we figured this that's probably what this was saying. So do you dump or do you avoid the following 14 failures that kings have? <laughs> this is why people struggle with reading these books and they don't want to read the old scriptures because sometimes these translations are just so broken and that it can be so difficult. Anyways, these are the failings leaders can have. Atheism. And in this context, it means not believing in the Vedas. It does not mean not believing in God. Atheism here, I guarantee, is being used in the traditional Indian definition, which means non-Vedic, you know, you're, you're not drawing from the Vedas. Atheism in the West obviously has a different meaning, but in this context, it's not written in that way. We know because the word atheism, when this was written, already existed in the language. And what, Anyways, this means atheism. You don't believe in the Vedas doesn't really apply today. Um, falsehood um, says anger carelessness. So I'm guessing it means careless anger. It's just getting angry for anything. Uh, do you exhibit procrastination? Are you disregarding the wise? Are you sloth-like? Uh, do you have bondage to the senses? Are you spending time alone, devoting thought to the affairs of your state without consulting the ministers who know stuff that you don't? Do you take counsel of those who are, are have perverted insight, who just, well, we've already talked about what that means. Uh, do you uh, have failure in undertaking the projects you've decided to do? <laughs> do you not keep secrets? Uh, do you fail to utter auspicious words at the beginning of an undertaking, like prayer or a mantra? That one doesn't really apply today. And do you rise from your seat indiscriminately to receive all. So this is a reference to a king sitting in the chair. Um, he would sit while someone bows and knock it up. That doesn't really apply today. Anyways, you know the, the gist of that once we work through all the stumble. Oh, this next one's going to be a big one too. So verse 68, 69, and 70 are all combined into one. Oh, very wise Bharata. I hope you understand the following and deal them properly the ten evils. 1. The five kinds of fortifications. 2. The four expedients. 3. The seven limbs of state. 4. The eight evils born of anger, uh, being the three objects of human pursuit. 5 the three branches of learning, six, subjugation of the senses, the six strategic expedients, 
7. Adversity brought about by divine agencies. 8. Um, uh, adversity brought about by human agencies. 9. The 20 types of monarchs. And 10. The entire population of the kingdom setting about on an expedition, drawing up an army in a battle array, and the two bases of peace and war. Okay, so this this is kind of like the last one. It's saying, are you are you not doing these things? Are you are you pushing these things away? And we're going to go over this because there's a big explanation, clarification here. So these are the uh, ten evils that you should avoid. Sorry if you hear a uh, a fire truck going by. Uh, sorry, an ambulance going by. Today's been a rather quiet day for that. Um, so. It says, let's see how we should do this. Uh, actually, we'll just go. We'll just do the explanation. I'm not going to bounce around. So number one, the ten evils attendant to the royalty to be eschewed. Oh, I read this wrong. My apologies. So, it, it, no, I didn't read this wrong. Ah, the, Translation issues. <laughs> oh boy, just wasting time trying to deal with this, but it, it just should be clear. So anyways, I'm just going to read this. One, ten evils attendant on royalty be eschewed. Hunting, gambling, sleeping during the day, lustfulness, inebriation, pride, calamity, longing about idly or aimlessly, diversions such as singing and dancing. Don't do those things. Two, the five kinds of fortifications. I had the numbering off. My apologies. So, two, the five kinds of fortifications. By moat, high bank, trees thickly planted, a space destitute of grain or provisions, and the turning of waters. Three, the uh, four expedients. Making peace, liberality, sowing dissension, and chastisement. Four, the uh, seven limbs of state are the king, ministers, friends, treasure, territory, forts, and an army. Five, the three objects of human pursuit, religious merit, material wealth, and sensuous enjoyment, or the three kinds of power, being energy, power of dominion, and power of counsel. Six, three branches of learning are the three Vedas, the knowledge relating to agriculture, commerce, and vocational pursuits and political science. Seven, the six strategic expedients are coming to terms with the enemy, waging war against him, marching against him, biding one's time to seek a favorable opportunity, causing dissension in the enemy's ranks, seeking protection of a powerful ally. Uh, eight, adversity brought about by divine agencies include water, in the shape of excessive rains or floods, fire, epidemic or endemic diseases, famine and pestilence, earthquakes and tsunamis. Uh, nine, adversity brought about by human agencies include officials, thieves, enemies, kings, favorites, and the king himself when actuated by greed. And ten, the twenty types of monarchs who are not worth negotiating with include <laughs> a king who is who is yet a child, two, one who is aged, three, 
one who has been ailing for a long time. 4. One who has been ostracized by his own kith and kin. 5. He who is characterized by a cowardly attitude. 6. He who is surrounded by cowards. 7. One who is greedy. 8. One who has greedy associates. 9. One who has estranged his ministers and others. and 10. One who confers with fickle-minded persons. and 11. One who speaks ill of divine beings and Brahmins. 12. One who is extremely indulged in sensuous pleasures and luxuries. 13. One who is ill-fated. 14. A fatalist who believes that all things are predetermined. 15. One who is afflicted by famine. 16. Uh, one who is afflicted by military reserves. 17. One who mostly remains away from the home. 18. One who has numerous enemies. Nine, uh, sorry, ran out of, messed up on my fingers. 19. One who is in the clutches of adverse times. And 20. One who is not devoted to truth and piety. Sorry, I misread. I think at the beginning I said there was 10 types of monarchs. 20. My fault. This little bit I'm not going to go over again or dissect, but this little thing alone is worth looking at, almost ignoring everything else I've been rambling through today that Rama is saying and in the previous episode. This alone, though, will give you a leader of where to go and where not to go and who to associate with and who not to associate with. It's all right here. This is quite a list of things to avoid that will help you as a leader. It's worth studying this on your own, going back. This is verses 68, 69, and 70. Hmm. Let's move on now. 71. I hope that you consult with three or four ministers, as mentioned in scriptures, any proposal collectively and singularly with each of them in secret. Do you find advantages in your study of the Vedas? Are your acts production of fair results? Do you benefit from the company of your consorts? Has your learning been fruitful? O oh, Bharata, I hope that your conviction is the same as mentioned by me in the foregoing verses, which is conducive to a long life, fame, religious merit, enjoyment, and wealth. Do you follow the common practice which our forefathers observed, and which is in accord with the path of the virtuous, and which is distinguished in itself? That is a very simple one, but very important. Are you following the path of tradition? Are you following the path that has been laid out by our forefathers, which is virtuous? And distinguish them. 75. I hope you do not eat by yourself nicely made animals, and you do not share it with your friends who seek it. Verse 76, the final verse. A wise and learned king, having obtained and ruled the entire earth, properly by righteousness and by administering justice to the people indeed ascends to heaven when detached from the mortal body. That ends chapter 100 and I will apologize now um, for a complicated read over the last so many verses. This is well worth going back and studying on your own. And that's really why I wanted to share this today, was to get you inspired to maybe check out verse, sorry, chapter 100 of book 2 of the Ramayana. If you are a leader, and if you're interested in Vedic wisdom, this might be something that you might want to study. And, and that's why I wanted to share, not to have any conclusive ideas of government or whatever, but to 
brings something to your attention that you may not know about. And which is very interesting. Very interesting. If nothing else, it's, it's, um, if nothing else, it gets you thinking, gets you, um, pondering. And, um, sometimes, sometimes that's good. So, I think I want to bring this to a close. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed this. This has been a bit of a rough one. <laughs> I am well aware of that. Uh, but hopefully there's value here, and hopefully there's merit here, and hopefully, uh, if you are a leader, you are inspired by this. Vedic wisdom, I'll leave you with this thought, might be old, but overall, overall, it is still incredibly valid and relevant. The majority of what we have just read is absolutely relevant to today. The majority of what we've read. Or with very little, with very little change can be made relevant. Just a line or something. That's like 60-something, you know, sentences I read, plus a bunch of other things inherit in that. And very little of it really is not relevant. That tells you something about Vedic wisdom. It's like an old movie. Just because it's black and white doesn't mean it's bad. Just because a book's 100 years old doesn't mean it doesn't have something to say. I hear this all the time. People say, well, here's a book on this topic. You should, you should read it. Okay, all right. And it's written by someone right now who's talking about the issues right now. To which then I go, because, you know, me, have you read this book by G.K. Chesterton from 100 years ago? Because he actually talks about something that's basically the same thing. He just doesn't name the actual politician because he couldn't, but he talks about the same thing. Oh, no, no, it's it's old. I'll, I'll hear back. It's not relevant. Like, but you have not read it. You don't know that it's not relevant. So this... These things in the Ramayana have probably not been read. So anyone who dismisses this book as just whatever, there's some relevant stuff here. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's not valuable. And I know there are people out there who want to revive Vedic wisdom. There's a reason for it. And here it is. I've just given it to you. I think. Or at least I've given you something to ponder. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. In which case, comments, please. Whatever the forum you are watching this on, BitChute, Rumble, Anchor Podcast, Spotify, check it out. Um, wherever one of those forums is, you can leave comments on, feel free to write me an email. Check out my website, which has all my books, my new one. Um, would love it if you read it, and if you like it, leave an Amazon comment. If you don't like it, you can leave an Amazon comment, too. Because, you know, that's the way these things go, but... At least read it before criticizing how it's bad. <laughs> like, these people who criticize things are old without reading it. Don't be like that. So, I'm just going to leave you there. Thank you again for joining me. Uh, I've got some upcoming episodes I hope you'll really like on some different topics and sharing some things and done by some friends of mine, some creative pursuits, because I love creative pursuits. And uh, so please stick along with me on this journey. And yeah, thank you for joining me. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for liking, sharing, commenting, whatever. Uh, I wish you the best in your spiritual journey. Feel free to reach out to me, email, Facebook, whatever, and let's talk. And, yeah, 
from my house here in Portland, Maine, to wherever you are. Jai Shri Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.